0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 24 is going to be the focus, but we're going to spend some time in 1 Corinthians today because um, one of the things that we've been doing this whole summer is using this as an opportunity to kind of cro- not cross-reference New Testament, Old Testament, but really see how much um, New Test- how much the New Testament borrows from the Old Testament, especially Paul and his theology, Um, and we have a classic example of that today where, where Paul does this cool little trick of quoting just a little bit of a psalm with the idea that everybody who is hearing and listening to this would know. Right, it's it's like a song that is is embedded in your memory. You know the song, so you quote just one little line, and immediately you can recall the entire song. Well, that's what Paul is doing in First Corinthians. So, which do we have? For, let's do Psalms 24, 1 to 10. First, a Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas. from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. What Paul is doing here is is he's advancing uh, a conversation and a debate, if you will, amongst the Christians of the time about what kind of freedom they have to do certain things. Here specifically, it's about are we free to just eat things? (laughs) Like, can you just eat anything you want, anywhere you want, with anyone you want? Because in the Old Testament, the, the Jewish people had certain restrictions and rules against certain things. And and the question is is because we're free in Christ does that mean that all of those restrictions go away and th- those things are no longer sinful and wrong? And Paul's answer in a nutshell is nah. <laughs> depends. <laughs> so here here is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 starting at verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I gave thanks? This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the text this morning, um, especially we're going we're gonna to start in 1 Corinthians, and I know the, the few times we've done this, it seems like summer in the Psalms, is, we spend a lot of time in the New Testament for summer in the Psalms, but it really gives us a better lens for what this, this book of Psalms really is, and it's such a beautiful book that is so full of theology, oftentimes we don't see that theology when we're reading the Psalms until we get that lens of the New Testament, specifically the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ. That changes, um, not not the Old Testament, not the Psalms. It doesn't change what it means. It informs us on what it has always meant. So the, the question today that Paul addresses is a question of conscience. Here's the situation. You've got new believers who are, who are just brand new to this whole Christianity thing. They don't know what this really is entirely about. They haven't been in a church for for decades. In fact, the church has only existed for a couple of decades at the most at this point. It's not like there's all of this tradition, longstanding church history. There's not like, well, this is how this pastor did it 100 years ago and when the church was doing it this way, and then this pastor, and that. this is like, it's just brand new. And they're drawing some on Old Testament rules and, and ideas, which is good, which we do also. And, and the way they're seeing this, this question is, okay, so all of the Old Testament dietary stuff is is kind of been opened up, right? We can we can go to Red Lobster and eat eat shellfish, right? Woohoo, good. <laughs> but but what about this meat sacrifice to idols? See, that still feels kind of weird, gross, and icky. So you've got a, a false god, a big, big false idol, like literally a statue of a, of a cow, a calf, or, or whatever it is, some pagan god, and they, they brought a lamb or a goat or whatever they had, and they did this whole ritualistic worshiping a false god by killing this animal and, and basically barbecuing it, right? That's how you do these sacrifices. And now, should I eat that? Like, isn't that wrong somehow? It, it, like, it feels kind of gross, like you're, you're affirming this thing. Like you're saying, yeah, that, that was good, and, and I, I say that is fine, and I, and I illustrate that by me eating this, um, and that's a decent question. They're, they're not dummies for asking this question. That's a, actually, it's a pretty good question. So what Paul is saying in, in our text is this is a question of conscience, but, but not yours, not your conscience. Paul is really clear, and so you don't need to feel bad about it. You can eat whatever you want. You know, you, you can eat whatever you want from the marketplace. If, if they, they go from there and they sell it in the marketplace, buy it, eat it, have at it. It's, it. You are free to do whatever you want, but you might not want to do that. See, the question of conscience isn't, a question of your own, it's someone else. What if somebody sees that and is really offended? Because in their mind, they're thinking, you're, you're just affirming that this idol worship is good and okay. You're, you're just telling everybody that that God is the same as our God, is the same as Yahweh and Jesus. They're all, this, that's, that's what you're saying. And, then, and that person may be bothered by it. But see, that the thing is, The question of conscience isn't ours, meaning that we shouldn't feel guilty or burdened by that, because as Paul says, we are free. We have great liberty as Christians. And that freedom is, isn't from consequence. It isn't freedom from reality. It isn't freedom like I'm free from the laws of gravity and I get to jump off a building and fly away. It's, it, freedom doesn't mean that, that we, we don't have to follow the rules or obey the rules. The real freedom is this freedom of the burden of our sin. Freedom from this, this reality that we struggle with often, which is we feel guilty about the things we've done wrong. Sometimes we feel guilty even though we didn't do anything wrong. That's, I have that in spades, right? When something goes wrong, I'm always like, that's probably my fault. I probably did that. Even if it's got nothing to do with me or nothing to do, I wasn't even there. I guess somehow, that's probably my fault. That's that's from being the youngest in the family. Where growing up, all the older kids tried to make everything my fault, right? I was pretty sure Luke did that. Like Luke at four did not get in the car and drive away and and hit a tree. Like that wasn't Luke. That was Matt, a hundred percent. But that was the that was just the the. the environment I grew up in, I guess. So that's that's kind of my guilty conscience. I have to fight it all the time. So the point here is, is to say this question of conscience isn't something that Paul wants you to be wrestling with your own. You are free. You don't feel any guilt. And it, it is as simple as because you believe in Christ Jesus as your Savior. You have been washed in the waters of baptism you are forgiven and that's that's not a simple proclamation by a judge that that is an actual action that happened a verb that did something you've been forgiven meaning those sins have been taken care of and they're not on you anymore so let that guilt go when when dan did the confession and absolution this morning and spoke to you the words of absolution it's it's not a formality it's not a ritual it's, it's a thing that happened, right? You have been set free from those sins. And it's not because Dan's got magic words, right? And it's not because Dan's super special, and he took a class in the seminary, and he learned how to do the hocus-pocus, and that's not how it works. He said what God says, and God's word is powerful, and God's word does stuff, real stuff, like speaking the universe into creation, like Jesus' words to a storm that causes the storm to be called, or Jesus' word that the kid is healed, even though he's not there, he just says it, and the kid is healed. Those are all true stories from our scriptures that say God's word does something. And it it does what it promises every single time. And he promises to forgive us when we confess our sins. We did that, and then Dan just repeated God's word, and God's word did the thing that God's word does. So we've got the conscious thing sort of settled, but now there's more to this. You see? And we're about to get that phrase that, that some of you have heard me say way too many times, and you're kind of sick of it. Some of you have, have never heard it. That's good. <laughs> that, that, that means we haven't had a tough conversation. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't wrestled through something together. Or, or you're not part of the staff at Living Faith because they hear it all the time. You know it. If you know it, you know it's coming. The issue's not the issue, right? But some of you are nodding your heads going, Yeah, I've heard him say this way too many times. <laughs> the issue's not the issue. What do I mean by that? There's a phrase given to me by my mentor in the, in the pastoral ministry, and I didn't get it at first. And I went, what? <laughs> what do you mean the issue is not the issue? Whatever the issue is, that's the issue. And he goes, pay attention. In the first couple of months that, that I was serving as a pastor, I saw this over and over again. I would, I would be presented with some issue, and I'd be like, oh, okay, so let's work on that. And pretty soon, I, I could hear Carl's voice in my head going, this issue isn't the issue, there's a different issue. And we, we're accustomed to this, sort of as parents, we figure this out with our kids, we just assume our kids grew out of it, uh, nobody ever grows out of it. And that is, oftentimes we, your kid presents with some weird issue. And here's, here's a classic one, right? They won't eat food. And, and you look at this kid, you're like, I know you're hungry, <laughs> like why won't you eat food? like any food at all. Well, that's not the real issue. Usually in our family, what the issue was is we exert a lot of control, and, and kids feel that, right? They, they don't get to decide when they go to bed. They don't get to decide when they wake up. They don't get to decide what they're wearing. They don't get to decide if they're going to school or not. They don't get to decide anything, and they find this one place where they're like, I get to decide if I eat. I have control over this because if you've ever had a kid, you know, because you tried to, it's hard to force feed them, right? <laughs> Just eat, right? You can get the food in the mouth, <laughs> but that, that's not the same as eating, right? The issue isn't really the issue. The issue isn't the not eating, it is a, a kid who feels out of control. Or I, I've discovered this over and over, there's a, a little small minor change in the way we're doing things, whether it's at Living Faith or anywhere, and somebody's got a big issue with this. And I go, oh, okay, what's the re- this isn't the issue, what's the real issue? Lots of times it's, it's people who are insecure about the, the world just changing around them so much. Maybe they've got kids who are leaving. That The last one is leaving the house and the house is now changing because they don't have kids at home anymore. Or, or maybe their work is changing or they've, they've lost their job or getting a different job. Or whatever it is, everything is changing and, and that's what's really bothering them. And they think, I, I, can, I can bring this up and, and I can make my church stay the same and, and find just a little bit of comfort and peace in that. right? So the issue is really the insecurity. The issue is not the issue. The issue is something else. And you have to peel that onion back. Well, in our text this morning, um, we're going to look really quick at this, this verse, it's right here, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 29. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? The verse almost sounds contradictory. It's not my conscience, his, right? Not, not me, them. So I'm going to limit my own freedom and liberty, but, but it's not. See, that, that's the contradictory thing is, is Paul is saying, why should their conscience affect my freedom and liberty? Well, it doesn't affect your freedom and liberty. You're still free. Because what Paul is saying is there is a distinction between you are free to do something. The law isn't reimposed. The don't eat this and don't eat that isn't being reimposed, meaning that between me and God, everything is good. I'm still free. But this person, now it's about their relationship with me. I'm free, but I'm, I'm intentionally restricting my freedom for the benefit of this person. Why would somebody do that? Why would somebody go to that? I mean, exercising freedom is fun. Why would I restrict my freedom for somebody else? Most of us, or maybe not, maybe it's just some of us, and we assume it's everybody, fully exercised freedom on the 4th of July, because for like two days, it's legal to blow stuff up, right? And I can blow up whatever I want, and, and it's amazing, right? I j- just launching rockets into the sky. Boop, 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 America! It's awesome, right? If you're not like that, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for you, really. but. You hear what I'm saying? Like, we get to exercise. That's fun. It's a riot. It's a blast. Why would I ever restrict that if one person on the, on the block in the neighborhood is like, my dog is getting nervous. I'm like, whatever. Like, right? Why would I restrict my freedom for them? Well, this isn't, this isn't fireworks, 4th of July, America freedom. This is about sin, and God's law. It's a whole different story. I'm free to do a lot of different things. Really, I'm free to do anything in God's kingdom, but I don't because it might cause somebody else to stumble. It might, might put up a roadblock for somebody who doesn't have faith to come to faith. This is, a, this is a struggle. It's really more about the unbeliever, it's or the person who is weak in the faith, who may be slipping away from faith. It's not even really about Christians, because there, there are Christians who, who would look at this and say, you should restrict your freedom on things like theology on tap, right? Is, is it okay for Christians to have a Bible study in a bar and, and drink a beer? Is that okay? Well, the answer is, in Christian freedom, everything is free, right? We, we can do that, absolutely. But is it is it bad for a non-believer? Will they see that and go, oh, well, I don't ever want to go to that church or believe in whoever got, the opposite is actually true, is what I found, right? Those same people who are non-believers in that pub look and they go, actually, I, I would love to hear more if, if I can have a beer, right? If I'm free and, and I don't have to restrict, no, no. So it's, it's, it's the other way. It's, it's about the non-believers or those who are right on the fence, half in, half out of the kingdom of God. That's, that's what we're concerned with in, in our text this morning. Not, not the believer because their conscience is free and they know yours is free also. You're free to do those things. You're free because your sins are forgiven. In fact, as we walk closer and closer to our text this morning, back to the Psalms, we see something absolutely beautiful and wonderful. Here's what what was quoted in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We go back to psalm 24 the very first verse the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell within for he has founded it upon the seas established it on the rivers the psalm is saying everything belongs to god god made it all if, if it's if it's in the sea or not in the sea, and that is everything. Everything is either in the sea or not in the sea, right? Right now I am not in the sea, and if I go swimming in the sea, then I am in the sea, but either way, everything is either that, in or out of the sea. And so everything, and then verse 3 says this, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in, in this holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And then it goes on. We sang a song that that asked the Lord to give us those clean hands and pure hearts. We seek those things, but that's not what the text is talking about. Who is able to stand in that place, that holy, holy place? Who is is the one who has access? That's what it means to ascend on that hill, has access to all of the good things Only someone who is pure and clean without sin. Psalm 24 is talking about Jesus. He is the one. Who, who had the pure heart. It, it says the one who's obeying all of these laws, the one who does not lift up his soul to what is false, does not swear deceitfully. This, this can't be us because we do those things all the time. right? This can't be us because we are still sinning. This is speaking thousands of, of years ago and, and hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ. This is talking about Jesus. Saying this is the one who has dominion over all things. This this the psalmist talking about Jesus before he is incarnate. And what does Jesus do? Jesus has all access to everything. He's God. Before he takes on flesh, he is the least restricted being ever. Jesus pre-incarnate father son holy spirit god himself is not restricted not even by time or space He, he has everything he is everything and then he restricts himself to become man not for himself but for us See how that works? The the model is Jesus. The model is the ultimate freedom takes on restriction and takes on obedience, follows the rules, follows the law of God, not the, the piddly little things that Pharisees and Sadducees figure out more cool little rules and ways to obey, but does the actual obeying of the Father by being pure of heart and having clean hands and speaking what the Father asks him to speak, and proclaiming the kingdom of God, and being obedient all the way to the cross, obedient to take the punishment, the misery that we deserve all the way to the cross. So that's what the Psalms are talking about. He, whose ultimate freedom, ultimately restricts himself for the benefit of those who would believe. And that's why we do restrict our freedom when it comes to other people. To not be a roadblock to others. To not get in the way of somebody understanding who Jesus is. To remove those things. To not cause offense to people who are sort of Teetering one foot in and out of the kingdom of God. That's the purpose. That's what Paul is saying. If somebody goes, that was sacrificed to idols, then, you, then don't eat it because you don't want them to think that your faith is the same as the faith of this idolatry, this idol worship. We're different, not because we're trying to impress God. We do the things that we do as Christians, not, not to earn brownie points with the big guy upstairs, Right? What we're doing is for our brothers and sisters who should get to know Jesus as their Savior, who God wants in the kingdom with us. That's the purpose and the point. And that's that's what what Paul does. He he quotes just that one, but it's the very first verse. And, And it's not a stretch to say. He means to bring to mind the entire psalm by this one little thing. We know how this goes. Even today in our culture today, we know how this goes. Are you guys ready for some audience participation? You ready? Sweet Caroline. Unrehearsed, right? But you got it. You know how it works. If you don't know that, sorry. sorry. Sorry you got left out. Right, you say one part of a song and the whole thing jumps in your head. And that's me, stuck in your head all day, sorry about that. But like, you know how that works. So Paul quotes just one verse, the whole thing jumps in your head and as these Christians in Corinth are hearing it, they're going, oh, it's not about me. And, and to eat the meat or not eat the meat, to do this or that, to take the job, to not take the job, to move, to not move, to, to do this thing or to do that thing, it isn't about me. This is all about the, the story of scripture. It's not the story of, of Pastor Luke. Or, or, or of Mike or Joe or Bill. Or, like, or Look, I'm going to find myself here in Scripture. What you're going to find here is Jesus over and over again. This is the story of Jesus. And as Paul quotes that, the whole thing comes to their head, and they go, oh, verse 7 through 9, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. This restriction that that we do place on ourselves isn't to give us a burden, to feel bad because we broke rules, we're not supposed to do this, but we did that anyways, We're, we're supposed to do this and we didn't do it, and now I feel really guilty. It's always about our witness and our testimony to others for his glory for his glory, because when we do that, we're showing people like a little glimpse of what it was like when Jesus did this for us. And because the one with pure heart and clean hands did this for us and died on the cross, our faith in him gives to us also clean hands and a pure heart. So we inherit what Jesus inherits. We, we receive also what was given to Jesus. We receive all of those good things that are on the hill. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? We can. At the resurrection, we receive all of it. But before then, even today, it isn't in freedom that we charge into the, the storehouse of God and gobble up all the goodness and mercy and love and joy that, that, that we can get because it's ours and we have the freedom to do so. No, we restrict ourselves. And we receive not, not the best food and the coolest house and the best car and all these kind of stuff. What we receive is that tender mercy, the grace and acceptance, the forgiveness of sins? Not an attaboy, you did a good job out there, way to go champ. What you receive is you're accepted. Despite your flaws, despite your brokenness, d- despite your sin, d- despite how messed up you are, and how broken you are, and, and how crazy you are sometimes, and how sometimes you Just want to blow some fireworks up, even if it makes your neighbor angry, right? Or sometimes you want to stake sacrifice to an idol. I don't know where you get those, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes you do those things, and for a moment you have that guilty conscience. Don't. You're forgiven. Clean hands, pure heart. Rethink those things for your neighbors, your friends, your family your loved ones, your co-workers, how can you show somebody Jesus with your life for his glory and not yours? Amen. And may the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Would you please stand to pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your perfectly obedient Son, whose death was the sacrifice we all needed to clean our hearts and to make us pure. And I thank you, Christ Jesus, for making that sacrifice for us and for welcoming each and every one of us into your kingdom by way of our faith in you, by trusting in you, by believing in you. You have made us truly and eternally free. Give us those opportunities to show that freedom to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.